we have been gone for a while, but now we are back to talk about one episode. Nope, we have two episodes to talk about, and also some unfortunate news in the universe of The Expanse on The Crash Couch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an episode of The Crash Couch. I am your host, Ernie, and yes, I am not Chris, uh, but that's okay. He gave me uh, the keys to the Tachi here, a.k.a. the Rossi, a.k.a. the Pinus something torta. We can't figure <laughs> that one out, but uh, yeah, he's gave, giving me the keys for tonight, so uh, it's going to be a fun episode. We do have plenty to talk about. It's going to be a funny episode. Actually, I'm sorry. I meant punny episode. Uh, <laughs> please welcome to the show, Joel. Hey guys, um, my name's Joel. I'm the podcaster from the Sci-Fi Pupcast, and I'm here to make puns. Apparently, <laughs> awesome. And I'm happy to be here. So, and I wish, I wish I can grow one like this uh, because it's not just the beard; it's Ian the beard. Ian, how you doing, buddy? Oh, hey, I'm doing. I'm doing okay. I'm doing like six out of ten. Six out of ten. It's just a Monday, yeah. man. <laughs> I know. I know. It can only go down from here. All right. Well, like I said at the top of the show, we do have a lot to talk about, so we're just going to jump in, and we're going to start with the episode Reload. Now, I actually had to go back and rewatch this episode to kind of refresh my memory, and I noticed a couple of things, and uh, a lot of it had to do with some character growth. Uh, so let's start off with this episode here. I remember, I remember you're going to have to refresh my brain, because it's, it's been a minute, but I remember enjoying it thoroughly. Yeah, I like the uh, point of view of the Martian soldiers that are saved by the Ranciante crew and then was not very, uh, I don't know, uh, hospitable, you could say. <laughs> and how, uh, yeah, yeah, how they are just a single track, one way of thinking type people. Yeah. And I like how that was confronted that way. Yeah, exactly. Now, the episode did begin with, uh, I think, something that's kind of been a little bit more quiet, and that is the Belter side. Uh, it did start off with the Belters recovering the Navu, um, which was a cool scene. Joel, did you approve of the uh, special effects? I, I did. I actually really did. This is the Navu, soon to be something else. It's, it's amazing. Yes, if they could only do CGI like this in every TV show there. How's that? Yeah, I, I thought Works. it was cool. It was, it was gnarly. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's essentially the way they, they launched it in the first place with all of those little mini drone rockets. Um, but it was really cool to see them, how, how they flipped the ship around and everything. Uh, you know, listen, I had a blast watching this scene. It was fun. Uh, I, I really specifically noticed the placement of the drones. And uh, I, I guess I've, I've fallen into that trap where all fans kind of notice every single little detail. Uh, yeah. But the way the drones were placed were made sense. It made sense how they turned the Navu around and were kind mm -hmm. of going to head off the uh, opposite direction. So I thought that was a cool little scene. Um, but the scene got heavier as the episode progressed. And we talk about with uh, Holden deciding with the crew to essentially grave rob uh, the the rummage here that uh, has been going on between Mars and Earth and uh, how uncomfortable Alex is feeling with this. And, you know, Alex knowing that this is the best plan uh, to proceed with. And so they go off to find a specific ship that they can pull some resources off of there. And, uh, you know, Alex, I thought it was had a really human emotion 
in this instant, uh, he did talk about how uh, he had the thought of maybe he served with somebody that would, could have been floating in space, essentially. And I thought it was a pretty deep moment. But uh, what did you guys think about this plan to essentially grave rob um, you know, Mars and, and the destruction? I don't know. For me, I have a hard time uh, feeling bad about grave robbing, I guess, especially in this context. Like, I don't know. I, if I was in that position, and again, who knows? It's, it's fictional, and I can't even really put myself in those shoes. But I, I don't think I would have an issue with it at all. Yeah, I look at it as purely utility. It's like in a contemporary war or even in past history where a, a soldier has to grab more ammunition from a fallen comrade. Or, God forbid, his water bottle when it's hot outside. It's not in this case or trying to cannibalize uh, the people. They're just using their equipment, and they're trying to be as respectful as possible. Okay, so you guys take the side of Amos, who said uh, the dead don't need their stuff. Yep. No, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm more of a realist, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of who I am and what I'm on about. But yeah, yeah. Later in the episode, too, it was confirmed that they were burning on fumes. They had burnt a lot uh, doing that little maneuver in the past episode with um, where they had to shoot the UN ship that was chasing um, Avasarala and Bobby. Uh, So they burnt a lot. And so it didn't make sense. And I can see um, Alex kind of coming to grips with it. And even Naomi kind of having that moment where she uh, had to reaffirm it. She said, this is the best plan of action, Alex. And, uh, you know, Alex was going to take his mind off of the situation by making something to eat. And then here's where Naomi stepped in, uh, decided to make a belter kind of home-cooked meal, uh, something known as red kibble. I thought this was a pretty funny scene, but it kind of uh, was Naomi's moment to kind of extend this branch of this olive branch of peace. And and she's just trying not to be an outsider anymore. Yeah, and it sounds like it wasn't very good. (laughs) Unless you grew up on the belt. Yeah, they really need a different type of belt. Perhaps tequila? I don't know. Rum? So. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a, a very grateful and very compassionate gesture. Uh, I think uh, she's trying to fit in, and she, you know, she has a human side. She, I, I dare say a, a, a feminine side where you know, she does care, but she's very intellectual. And so she has this two aspects to her character. And it's excellent to see the interplay between the two sides. Yeah. Now, one of the one of the des- descriptions of this um, meal was that it was hot and spicy. So, I don't know if you guys ever noticed, like on Facebook or anything like that, but there's always some sort of group that makes drinks named after a certain movie, or like uh, the other day I saw Harry Potter uh, inspired drinks. I wonder if there's a fan that's going to make something that's Red Kibble inspired. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, 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 I thought I saw something on Twitter. There's one uh, cocktail going around. It was uh, it's Fire Phoenix or something. I, I, I don't recall, but yeah, it's out there. And I'll invite that fan to the sci-fi podcast any day. I, well, I, so I, I look at what they're eating, and to me, it's like, oh, that sounds like it would be something like chili. But when I hear kibble, I think like cat food. <laughs> you were there with me. You know, yeah, thing. so it's just hot and spicy cat food. I don't know, man. Hey, it's not like it's recycled bugs, okay? That's <laughs> good point. <laughs> Can't argue with that one. And I think uh, you know, everybody's kind of um 
uh, the, everybody's taste for this dish was the same as like what we were thinking, like cat food. Everybody was like, oh, this is just belter food, kind of shoving their spoon into the bowl. It was pretty funny. Yeah, but to the belters, it's a cat's meow. <laughs> there it is. Oh, There's the there we go. One. And we're off. <laughs> I think one of the more intriguing moments in this episode, uh, as far as character development, was the little chess match between Aaron Wright and Anna. And uh, this was all regarding the Sorrento Gillis speech that he made. Now, this was a fun scene. I, I thought it was a great scene. Uh, Anna was kind of mouthing every single word. Well, at least half of the speech. And then the little smug face on Aaron Wright kind of really boiled my blood. Yeah, that pissed me off. Yeah, someone should really space that guy. Wait, no uh, yeah, that's not, th- that's not a threat. That's just uh, uh, my emotions coming through. I- I'm trying to work on my emotions recently, so, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, you can see the horror on Anna's face as she realized what happened. And uh, it's just, Aaron Wright is so hateable. I love it. It's fantastic. I haven't had a character I hate like that since Joffrey in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that's it's just like, like, they're doing such a good job at, at, at acting that I really don't like them. Like, I don't like their face. But it, it also speaks to the fact that you go into politics for the best of reasons, the best of intent, and then some jerk takes it and trusts your words on you. And it's, uh, yeah, I can relate to that. You know, because that happens, like, frequently in politics. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a little side topic here, uh, I just found out that Joffrey is actually the kid from uh, Batman Begins. I had yeah, no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you blame Batman for everything. Yeah, <laughs> he's the Dark Knight. Um, <laughs> yeah. My favorite moment, though, and it we've we've talked about Anna and how strong she's had to come in as a new character. But my favorite moment is when she walks into this office where Sorrento Gillis and Aaron Wright are kind of celebrating by drinking their expensive scotch. She just starts laying into Sorrento Gillis, and Aaron Wright tries to do his smug thing and, and piss us off more, and she just shuts him down, and she says, you cannot speak to me. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, it just shows that she has a moral compass, and she doesn't have, she's not afraid to follow it, unlike other people in the series. Yeah, and she's powerful, and she's respected. Yeah, she has legitimacy. It's a it's a monk with power is the way I view her because you know she oh, is yeah. uh, the religious one in the um, in the series, uh, but that was such a strong moment and I do love that it's a woman, like shutting down a uh, very egotistical politician and I thought that was such a great moment for her. Yeah, it's not just a woman; it's a gay woman at that, which is interesting. Even better, who has her own mission of trying to save people with medications and stuff like that. She's an amazing character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the classic, the classic gay woman pseudo future Christian pastor. <laughs> so classic archetype. Hey, 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 that's not a stereotype yet. Give it time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we do see that the Rossi crew. Uh, finds a match of a ship where they can uh, get some resources that they're depleting so quickly. And it happens to be named uh, the Kator Chinama, which is uh, interesting, but they just call it the Kator. And while they were kind of exporting these, uh, these goods for their, their ship, Holden notices as he puts his hand on the wall that somebody's tapping an SOS signal. Turns out that three Martian survivors were on the ship. 
And uh, when they do come to and they're rescued and put on the Rossi crew, they're still addressing them as Martians. They salute Holden and then they realize he's not in uniform. And then the other girl notices that it's Holden who's running the ship. And so they kind of put the pieces together. Uh, now, I, uh, I'm a big fan of Alex. He's uh, one of my favorite characters. Seeing him get beat up by these guys really ticked me off <laughs> that's when you know you're too involved yeah yeah alex just he needs to get some more street smart like like who, why put yourself in that position you know that's going to end up happening but you know but you know he let his emotions rule him right he thought uh, martians yeah he's a previous you know martian military type uh yeah he just talked to him talk reason yeah uh, that's a hard lesson to learn yeah I think the the cool scene, the well, even I think we're we're going to talk about it even in the next episode is that the writing for this show was just hands down so amazing that they create tension without having two guys in a hallway shoot at each other for like five minutes. It's all done in like an instant where either it's done with words or a, a quick silence of, of a wrestling match. Um, so I do love this, this moment that Holden came in and caught the guy in the armory looking for um, ammo and him having to basically become a, a MMA fighter and do a chokeout move on this guy. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because that's how fights really happen when you don't have a gun with you. It turns into ground fighting. Yeah. And it's one on one, and yeah, and it's tough, and it's you, you need talent and skill, uh, but that's that's like real life, it's, you know, having some knowledge of it. So it's it's interesting to see that that, that there's so many realism um, aspects to this entire series that even the combat scenes, yeah, uh, this big giant fight turned into a you know a ground fight, which mm-hmm. lasted very briefly, which is usually what happens. And that was the whole. Uh method even between uh, or how uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu started it was a, a philosophy that 85% of fights end up on the ground and so that was a pretty realistic fight uh, for Holden to kind of get himself into mm-hmm. yeah and he goes for the choco the crowd of control to get control of him unlike say you know you always see in Hollywood movies he's just going to snap the guy's neck well that's kind of really hard to do actually you usually just choke him out so he passes out for you know Five, ten, fifteen seconds to gain control over the individual. Yeah, I believe the yeah. uh, the guy who made that famous uh, snapping of necks was uh, what's his name, Steven Seagal. So, <laughs> <laughs> or Andre the Giant, or, or actually, we'll go back, Georgia Animal Steel with a sleeper hold back in the WWF days in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, but I digress. <laughs> but I digress. All right, so the, everything kind of came to a head, and it was a very tense moment where Holden is holding a gun to the Martians and the Martian is holding a gun uh, to Naomi. Uh, The best scene is when Bobby comes in. And I say this was the best scene because it shows so much growth in her character where she was the militaristic jarhead who uh, shot first and talked later. You know what I mean? Kind of filled the paperwork out. And for her to talk down these people to to set down their gun and kind of, you know, assess your situation here you're not going to win kind of talk was just a a a cool moment by um bobby yeah what was it she said when she first walked up the stairs i can't remember but i remember laughing was it like hi guys or something short yeah it was something that just like hi guys or like what did i miss it was something that was just like (laughs) she's just so casual 
Well, it's funny because Bobby was acting like a veteran NCO from like an infantry or a marine company. Like she has the experience. She she you know she walks the walk and she goes in there and just she just controls the room, just verbally and by her presence. And it was it was yeah. obvious that they actually recognized her. So it it just kind of added more to the legend of Bobby, even through the eyes of the Martian, uh, this fictional character, and they kind of made her feel like a bigger deal. And I did love that little moment where there were, and and the guy who kind of assessed the situation, who was more the level-headed guy, realized that they weren't going to win. Um, he had a really good moment with her too, and he was he's realizing that like, okay, maybe we should talk about this. They're not killing us here, so let's let's kind of settle down and 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 see where we're at. Yeah, yeah, without trusting anyone. Now, before we kind of go into the next moment, I think that uh, is very important in the scene. We do have to talk about Avasarala asking Holden to send out a message. And in this message, she wants to send out the, the recorded message that she received from Aaron Wright that they stole off the ship. Avasarala appeals to Holden to send out this message. And it was an interesting scene because, you know, he does agree to it. And uh, he, he agrees to it if only it's sent out through a tight beam that can't be traced back to the ship or else it essentially all die. Uh, but Naomi kind of says, you know, you trust her. And he snaps back by saying, and I can trust you. Mm-hmm. Kind of putting her back at the doghouse, unfortunately. Um, but Avasarala had a really good moment with Holden. And then all that comes to a head when the, the level-headed Martian who was trying to take over the ship it's kind of like, all right, guys, are you guys going to space me or not? And they actually did want to talk to him. And boom, Avasarala comes out in the skin of her enemy, as she quote unquote said earlier in the episode. And I thought this was a fun scene because it's it's such an Avasarala move to be snarky, to, to be the politician that she is. Yeah, she was classic. She uh, she took control and she just she aced the style in terms of this conflict. And you yeah. can win, you know. Yeah, you can win conflict just not using style, but using style now, yeah, that's a A plus grade job right there. I don't have much to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, but you have someone who's senior. Like you gotta stand. You know, if you haven't been around politicians, if you haven't even been in the same room with the local congressman or whoever or senator, right? Okay, and when you you actually talking one on one for the first time, yeah, it's it, it's probably intimidating. I can see that. Uh, especially if it's a poli- senior politician from the enemy side, you know, you walk into the room and there's Saddam Hussein right there. What are you going to do? It, it's it's interesting the dynamics are, that's that's well, being played with. Right. Well, it's also the moment of who else is on this freaking ship. Like, you know, we have that moment on the next episode as well. But it's it's just like, you know, you have they they acknowledge the fact that this there's just the most the craziest people on the ship. All this power on the ship. I wanted to point out, too, that uh, Avasarala aggressively has this plan that shouldn't work. That's kind of relying on, on luck. And it's just such a far-fetched plan to, to send out this, this message with this kid who essentially got taken over. You know what I mean? Got captured. Uh, just got caught trying to retake over the ship. And now he has to send right. this message back to Mars. And then... The CEO of Mars has to send this message out to the UN uh, CEO. So it's just a plan that is kind of a shot in the dark. You know what I mean? I, I just, yep. but she, she handles it really well 
in her in her speech and how she's so confident in it and that it kind of relies on this on this luck you know what i mean I, it's, it's just such a good moment mm-hmm. for her yeah yeah very big risk like it can only be so calculated yeah and sometimes you just have to have the cards that, that start with you you just have to know when to fold them and all that good stuff or if you can't you have to play it out yep yeah and uh yeah it's the best uh, you know plan or or you know play by all means go for it now the episode did end with an intriguing ending here and it was the moment that mal and uh i forgot the doctor's name who's in charge of the experiment walk into the room strickland thank you uh and katoa has completely dismantled this human body yeah that was that took me off guard because we haven't seen that level of gore yet yeah so uh, that, that was like whoa yeah, hands off there. And yeah, that was. Oh, I get it. That was a good one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Joel, Joel, Joel. Yeah, yeah. Don't. It took me a minute. Okay. But I think it's an important moment for the proto molecule and, and us as fans trying to discover what this is, especially for somebody like me who just got into the expanse and hasn't read the books. So I'm very intrigued by what the the proto molecule is. But Mal realizes that the proto molecule and Katoa are speaking with each other. They're kind of coexisting yeah. in this one human body. Yeah, and at the same time talking to the mothership back on Venus in real time, like just like what. Yeah, it's a body of work, no doubt. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just the horror of watching it, right? The the visual gagging reflex kicks in, going, "What yeah. just happened there?" And yeah, and it makes you wonder how quickly was the, the guy killed? You know, and how was he killed? Yeah, hopefully he started with yeah. his head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, wow. <coughs> Yeah, that was a pretty creepy moment. <laughs> but all of this kind of leads into the next episode, which we're going to be moving on to, which was called Triple Point. And I'm going to throw it throw it into the ring here, guys. I think, hands down, this was my favorite episode of the series. This was really? Such, series? Interesting. Oh, this was okay. such a good episode. And, and I was mentioning earlier the writing. Uh, listen... I have not felt tension like that in such a long time where they didn't have a military going head to head, shooting rounds at each other, ship to ship or hand to hand combat. It was all tension by something that could possibly happen. And that's why I I thought this episode was just simply genius. It also happens to be the the first episode I've ever live tweeted anything or been able to watch this episode live. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I, it was an exciting episode and I, it was fun to kind of get the responses from, uh, the fans out there, uh, you know, all the screaming firehawks. Uh, oh, wow. but this episode was great. What did you guys think of this one? I did love it. I thought it was really, really good. I don't know. I don't know if it beats Miller turning into Venus. Uh, that was, that's my favorite one still so far. Um, but this was a fantastic episode. A lot happened. Yeah, it just I think there's a lesson point to be learned in this episode that if you're going to do a military coup, you better do it. Be completely ruthless and do it. Never lose your positional power. Yeah. Uh, just talking about like real politics stuff. But uh wow. So there was something that happened earlier and uh it was I believe in season 1 and it was a moment between uh Amos and Naomi and uh they were stuck on the Donager while the the battle was going on 
And she says, I didn't even get to say goodbye. And as fans, we're just trying to get to that point where what does she mean by that? Well, all that kind of comes out in a conversation with Holden where where Naomi has to kind of defend herself. And it comes out that she had a kid and uh, Mm -hmm. had a, I guess the guy who she had a kid with took the baby away from her. So she basically, I, I don't know if she doesn't know where it's at, but Man, that was a deep moment, and uh, I actually got a little teary-eyed watching it. Uh, hey, Aaron, let me ask you this. Have you read the books? I have not yet. I, I, I am halfway through uh, – what am I reading? Halfway through Break On Through. Okay, cool. Let's just say there's uh, – you know, it's a major thing. If you're a mother you have to give up your child, no author is going to leave that uh, plot unfulfilled. Uh, it's it's interesting how it plays out in the books. Yeah, it's been hinted at very heavily so far, but it was interesting. It's really interesting having read the books, seeing what is uh, happened earlier, and what people talk about in the books that has happened in the show that hasn't happened in the books yet. And like especially with Io and everything that's happening on Io, it's it plays out differently in the books. I would say it's about seventy percent similar, but because of that, like. I don't know what's going to happen in the show. So it's still super tense. Yeah. And it, uh, look at Naomi. You, yeah. So I think she was in the books. I think she was like 15, 16 years old when she had the child. Uh, but now she's obviously late 20s, early 30s. Uh, how does that affect her character? How does that affect her person? There's always going to be huge trust issues there. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, yeah. And just the whole, you know, what's her motivation? Yeah, she's a belter. Yes, she has a thing for Holden. Yes, she's extremely smart and intelligent. Yes, she's struggling because she's making these decisions. And by making these decisions to try to protect the belt, she's hurting the people she's close with. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole, how do you, you know, how do you even the score? How, how do you settle that? And that's what creates great drama and great tension. And I need a drink. Thanks. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a deep moment for Naomi and I kind of put her neutral, I think, even with Holden, because uh, that was just big news. You know what I mean? He's he's kind of been snappy with her, but he, he he even said that he doesn't hate her for what he what she did. It's just it's kind of a backstabby thing to do to to your crew, unfortunately. Right. Um, but yeah, I even heard Ian, you talking about how it's different from the book. It was actually Alex who gave up the proto molecule and not Naomi, but in the show it is yeah. Naomi. Actually, in the books, it was it's Holden. Holden, I'm sorry, I meant Fred. Al- yeah, Holden, which yeah. is so it's it's like completely different. Um, but I, I I can't stand Naomi a little less now. <laughs> that gave me a little at least at least as far as show Naomi goes. Uh, I I have a little more sympathy for her. Which is great because Naomi is, is such a key character to them. You know, she's she, if if anything, she's one of the most important characters because she is the engineer on the ship. And honestly, like the first two seasons, she was lovable. Like you loved her and her tenacity and and yeah. how she kind of accepted situations and gave Holden the advice he needed. Um, so I, I, I'm glad it's kind of getting back to to neutral for her. And that was just a, a key moment for her. Yeah, I, I think with her, she's a doer, which is great to see in a female character. But problem with people who do things all the time, eventually they do too much and they piss off, uh, they angry, anger the wrong people. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's key. Uh, another touching moment I got to say is we know where Alex stands in the doghouse, uh, but he had a special moment. He actually received a message from his son. I loved this moment. Uh, <laughs> you know, as as a a dad, it's one of those things where it's like I don't want to like I don't want to abandon my kids, but I hope one day I can hear my son say something like that to me. You know, it's very affirming as a man, like. You know, I know you had to make sacrifices because you're a warrior. And, you know, hearing something like that is kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just feels good. And so it was, I think it was very good for Alex to hear that. Yeah, I think it shows a lot of maturity on the child's part because a child will go through different stages, especially when the parents are away, especially if they're in a combat zone. Uh, and, and it takes time to not only understand the sacrifices being made but the fear factor you know what's going to happen to the dad or the mom right so uh yeah it's touching that was good it was way different than from what i expected to and uh, especially with his wife kind of giving him the doghouse speech (laughs) uh so it was a good moment for alex you know what i mean and uh it reaffirmed him and it kind of planted him because he's been lost this whole time uh, ever since yeah. he received that message from his wife and the one person he's been connecting with or at least the closest with lately has been Naomi who's also in the doghouse so it's like they, they kind of share that little moment but ah, it was it was cool and, and I have a son as well I, I think I'd want to hear that from my kid one, one day you know what I mean as a father that, that would mean a lot yeah I wish I had kids that can relate, but uh, maybe someday. I don't you know. do. You have Derek. So, uh, yeah, true <laughs> enough. From your show. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's having a great time at Disney World, apparently. So, yeah. He haven't got a call for bail yet. Bail yet. So, <laughs> all right. So, I was, yeah. I'm half kidding here, uh, Ian. Uh, the reason why I love this episode so much is because it you can see a sequel or even a spin off kind of developing off of this. And that is the. Uh, buddy cop relationship between Amos and Prax. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I'm joking, oh obviously, but it's, it's no, so good. I would watch that. <laughs> it is so good. They're really, I love their relationship. It's, uh, it's so good. Now, to kind of oh, like yeah. dive in deep a little bit, though, um, Prax is, is kind of becoming cold. He is, he's not the same guy they picked up. He's not that timid anymore, and it, it, was, it was pretty evident when he picked up the gun and how like yeah he's uh, he's he's ready to to get something done he yeah he's ready to, he's ready to rescue his kid he's yeah, in that he's, yeah, stage for sure he's he's focused and he's analytical and that's a dangerous combination mm-hmm. but i saw somebody tweet was, that out there and i just had to throw that it's like it's the perfect buddy cop uh friendship i i definitely think oh, it, it is. totally is yeah it's it's fantastic and one other thing I thought was kind of funny that's that's uh, 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 180 from the books is um, Prax is uh, a couple of things. Prax is responsible for with fumbling with a gun in the books uh, and accidentally starting a gunfight. And so it's it's funny just like the first time he picks up a gun, we see him like have a lot of control over it, assuming that there was practice that we just never saw. So it's kind of funny to just instantly go to like Prax knows how to use a gun. But also there's a moment where Holden talks about how they're just working for uh, for food. And in the books, uh, they actually use the story of Prax searching for May um, and they end up getting a ton of money. 
And so they're able to, uh, basically, money's not an issue. Supplies aren't an issue. So it's kind of funny to hear Holden say that we're pretty much just working for food. <laughs> also, like, oh, a little, little bit of a nod. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Food for thought. Food for thought. Yeah, food for thought. Food for thought, yeah. Yeah, roll tonight. <laughs> oh, God. It's been a long day, but guys. Okay. The level-headed kid from uh, the Martian side. Yes. Uh, he got his crew back safely to the Hammurabi, uh, the Martian ship, and um, he brought the message, and they didn't believe him, and that was such a such a frustrating moment. <laughs> but I it, know, but I was it was like, so good. I know it was so good. But I mean, obviously, later on, it's revealed that the captain kind of believes the message. You know what I mean? Yeah. She 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 totally does a a thing where she pulls something close uh, pulls something close to the chest and and sends that message out to the yep. UN ship. Man, that was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a frustrating moment, though, when they didn't believe him. Yeah. Yeah, because who listens to Edson's? No one. Okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and we were talking about the plan being something of luck or something that is so almost unbelievable. Like, why would somebody do this? It looks like a trap. You know what I mean? So people yeah. would stay away from that as far as they could. Yeah. Uh, but I do love seeing these Martian ships, especially from the inside. They're They're cold. They're beautiful. They're ready for war. They're just gorgeous-looking ships. They are. Agreed. The most frustrating thing in this whole episode was the dude, Nguyen. Uh, Nguyen is is something else, and um, he's obviously on Aaron Wright's side. What did you guys think of the way this character unfolded? Uh, Just another super hateable character. Yeah, but at least he's focused and he's determined. Sure, he's a war criminal, but in this, <laughs> ex- <laughs> I'm sorry. I just know the, the uh, after the coup when the uh, was after the gunfight on the bridge, and like a few minutes pass, and he's going around executing uh, prison like the uh, ruined enemies on on the bridge. That was a sweet. The one scene where you have the one female officer crawling and crawling. You think she's going to go grab something, and she gets shot in the head by him. That was just classic. This <laughs> brutal. Yeah, he's exactly. He is it is brutal. It very is brutal. brutal. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and, it, and it's it's how how dead do you have to be inside for like your last act to be to blast a bunch of freaking protomolecule hybrids? Yeah, it's something else. It, I like how this series plays with the uh, ethnicities with the different names uh, because you know animal. Nguyen, I'm sorry, I'm butchering the name, but uh, it's just it's it's weird. It's just pronounced Win. Win, yeah, yeah win. it's it's Vietnamese, and it's a very common Vietnamese name. It's like Smith in English. Yeah. So it's obviously you know about to oh look, there's the highest admiral in the fleet, or just about is from Vietnamese stock. Yeah. Which is quite interesting. And by the way, I wanted to correct myself. Captain uh, Carino is actually the captain of the Hammurabi. She's the one that actually. Essentially believes the the story and sends out the message to the UNCO, oh, right. and then oh, it was yeah. Sinopoli uh, is the kid. Uh, okay. Who could forget that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all these names to remember. <laughs> oh, it's just it's it's fast. Like this series is so rich with the names, with the cultures, with the politics, with the conspiracies, with uh, the, uh, with the characterization and what drives people forward in their motivations. 
Wow. Yep. Now, the tension that I, I remember the most in this was uh, Souther kind of going black books, if anything, uh, going back to Cotillard and, and, and getting the full story, knowing that he shouldn't be in this little prison cell that Cotillard is in. Um, but even having two supporting cast uh, kind of believe him and, and know something is going on. And then the the sniff dog, I'm going to call him the sniff dog, uh, Boyer, who's that like kiss ass employee you you hate to, yeah. you know, that you always meet. Um, yeah, kind of sniffing right his way. Man. Yeah, the right hand man that you just is a little bit too much like uh, enthusiastic about his job. Yeah. Uh, but all that tension was in those moments uh, that Souther had mm-hmm. to kind of walk in and, and, and do his little black ops thing. Yeah, well, I loved when he walked up and the guy's like, no one's allowed in. He just goes, get the F out of my way. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's classic. Like L- L- Lieutenant Boyer, they're a dime a dozen. They're all over the place. But going to the names, Boyer is an Irish name. The actor who played him is called Sean Amid. Amid is not an Irish name. I love how they just mix everything together. Yeah. Uh, but you still have these archetypes. These characters, which we've seen throughout the history of storytelling, that's classic. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, point of view you're having there, Joel. I'm glad you're kind of mentioning it because I never thought about that kind of stuff. For me, I'm it's just like, th- what is happening? <laughs> yeah, just, it's in th- the future, the entire world becomes a melting pot. Absolutely, and that's not the te- tequila talking right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is a Mexican bre- beverage, if you have not. Uh, had tequila before we should have a side episode a bonus episode where we talk about, about what cultural appropriation looks like in the universe of the expanse <laughs> is it even a thing it's not a thing that's a thing okay. <laughs> that's a Just thing, genetics. Not a thing. <laughs> all right so well where all the tension is kind of leading to is io uh holden and his crew is over there and they know the proto molecule has been sent there uh, the Martians follow it because they know the UN ship is heading that way in the Agatha King. They're, they're trying to figure out a way to kind of get in there without being caught. And so Alex has to figure out a route into IO. But man, that that was an interesting kind of chest puffing moment uh, for both sides. And I think even um, Wynn wanted to fire off you know, some, some shots, but didn't, you know what I mean? Because he was being held back by the two supporting casts that were with Souther. So that right, was just right. such a but tenseful in, moment. Yeah. And then he ends up killing his own, just like, what? Like that's, that's how, that's how far you're going to go is you're going to kill your own side. Just, ugh. They, they're really oh. trying to create this war that, you know, yeah. Aaron Wright really wants. Yeah. Yep, the illegal war. Yeah, well, war brings opportunities if you survive at great sure, cost. Yeah, yeah. Look at that way. It's, this is you know, it's pure selfishness. It's pure charism. Charism. Yeah. Joel is obviously yeah, the mm-hmm. half, the glass is half full <laughs> type of guy. It's like, oh look, it's a shiny thing. Let's go go chase the shiny thing. Okay. But uh, it was pretty cool when the crew kind of um, were talking in secret and Boyer's kind of watching them, but. It's Mancuso and Schaefer were talking about how they received this message from the Martians. And, of course, it's the Aaron Wright recorded message. Yeah. So good, man. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Luck upon luck. luck. Makes you wonder, if you were an officer on that bridge, what side would you pick? 
You know, it, it goes down to hold the loyalties to your leadership, or do you, what do you swear? You swear an oath to the UN Constitution, which is what happens, say, in the United States, where American officers swear to the U.S. Constitution. Or is it more like Julius Caesar? You see, you have your loyalty to the general, not so much the Roman state. So there's lots of history things going on. Really cool. There, there really, really is, yeah. And I don't know what I would do. I would have to. I would have to have a history. I can't just make that call <laughs> by going like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll take five. I'll be in the mess. Okay. Yeah. And essentially, there was a lot of moments where they could have made a bad call. A lot of them. And that was yeah. the tension that that was built up over these like twenty minutes of potential battle. Souther actually gets the message out that uh, everything is an illegal war. The the Martians receive it, and even Carino suggests that nobody shoot, which is so unheard of for a Martian. And then yeah. we talk about Bobby being a shoot first type of person. The Martians are that way as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except for the ones that are higher ranking, the veterans. And so Carino really showed her veteran status. By holding back and, and not really engaging in this war that is being goaded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really interesting from a legal point of view because what we're dealing with is public international law, you know, written large in 20 years, uh, 230 or 300 years in the future. So, in other words, okay, it's a legal war. So what? It breaches international treaties. So what? Mm-hmm. Whereas it's going, well, we're going to kill hundreds of thousands of people for this stupid thing. Yeah, that's where the morality comes up. So when it imposes his moment here by killing killing Souther, and uh, by then the UN ships are turning away. They've all received this message, and he fires on his own ship. That was yeah. That was a deep moment, man. That was just one of those gut wrenching moments because you think things are kind of going to turn off good. You know, Souther had his moment, and then he gets shot, and then the other crew gets shot. Uh, but yeah, him him yeah. turning the guns on on their own was just something just else. Brutal. Yeah, yeah it's it's like uh, legionnaires from the Roman Empire or the Roman Republic. Uh, the whole idea of decimating your own people. So one out of out of every ten gets executed just so that you can maintain control. And so by blowing one ship out of, out of the you know out of space compared to his entire fleet, he sends the same message. Yeah, and yeah, that's. And on the other side of this, uh, so we can close out this this episode here, um, the Rossi crew is making their way onto Mao's, uh, you know, station here, and it looks like they can't get in. The rockets are fired thanks to Win again. Uh, so that was uh, kind of like an oh shit moment. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Just like. Uh, the worst case like oh now this space is full of these freaking the proto molecule like that's not good yeah so let's go in and save the child anyways but uh yeah that's probably not going to last very long there's all these right. dangers yeah. yeah yeah and 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 not uh, the scene too with uh with um uh what's his name kateo 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 Katoa, um, yeah, Katoa. He, uh, that whole scene was creepy, where it sounds like he's half crying like a baby and half laughing, and and just bashing the glass was just like, yeah, it's freaky. Very cool visual effects, and very freaky. Which is funny, because like Mao, in, in the previous episode, was encouraging this project to move forward after he saw Katoa's transformation, and now it's 
gotten too scary. It's gotten too real for them. Yeah, and, and then he completely loses his humanity again when he says, okay, the next one's going to be May. That kid I was connecting with, let's go grab her. Yeah, people are walking bags of chemicals. Mao is nice one day and nasty the other. Terrible. Yeah. Now, I was uh, riding a high off of this episode, so excited, and unfortunately, we did receive some news here that The Expanse would not be renewed by Sci-Fi for the following season after season three ends. Um, what a freaking shock. What a shock, like, man. And I mean, yeah, that, listen. That, not sarcastically. I say so many things sarcastically. I did not expect that. Yeah, listen to my show if you want me to swear very, you know, very loudly and m- multiple times. But uh, I'm so disappointed in sci-fi. I really am. Yeah, uh, but I'm also trying to maintain some optimism and some, you know, being positive that hopefully another uh, distribution company will pick it up. Yeah, yeah, and and it's this is kind of the first fandom I've I've been a part of. Um, you know, I've always been a fan of like Star Wars or a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or a uh, fan of Stephen King, but I've never really been a, a part of a community of a fandom before, and. And it is crazy what everyone is doing to try and get this show picked up by somebody else. I saw online today that there is a GoFundMe to get a hot air balloon flown outside of Amazon headquarters. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and I think what the, I think they're going to end up actually doing like a, a plane flying a banner, which is great because I live in Seattle. That means I'll pr- probably see it, and if I yeah. do, I'll take a picture. Um, and and. It's just crazy, and now that the petition for Amazon to pick it up is over, it's probably at forty thousand signatures now. No, I just saw a, a tweet. It's over fifty right now. Fifty thousand. Oh my gosh, that is crazy! I signed it today, and it was at just over thirty-five. Oh wow! I know what I'm doing tonight. I'm signing that petition. Yeah, it's crazy. For something so negative, uh, you know, this is just a blow to the community of fans, uh, for the crew, for the actors, for the writers who invest their love and it is evident that it, it, it's love because the way these episodes come out are just nothing short of amazing uh i also got into this fandom late um but it, it's been a fandom i've been diving into and have been looking forward to reading the books after this season ended and yeah. so this was a blow even to me because I, w- I was loving the realism of this show. Uh, I, I was loving the real humanistic moments that the crew had to deal with and even the tension of something that potentially is, is, is scary but real. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, you know, getting to meet Cass Anvar and how down to earth that guy is and just having like a good 15-minute conversation with him and how, how much he's been pushing for the show – I kind of have the suspicion that they kind of knew it wasn't going to be renewed. This yeah. renew the the expanse hashtag kind of started weirdly in the beginning of the season. Um, we've had some issues trying to get a hold of somebody on in sci-fi to kind of give us access to early viewers. Uh, right. So we've been having some problems as well. So there, there are things that, that are kind of pointing out that this possibly was already planned, and uh, the expanse has really been pushing for it. And it's shocking to me because these episodes have been getting 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, so I, the, the positive thing about this whole thing is the fans are really kind of getting behind this show, this, this thing that is bigger than these two writers who have written The Expanse. 
and they're really trying to push for somebody to save it. And we're, you know, our hopes do rely on Amazon. I think Amazon is the best home for the expanse. It's actually yeah. where I saw the first two seasons as well. Uh, so it is unfortunate news, but I think the fans have, have kind of given me a, a good faith, even if it doesn't get picked up. It's just a, yeah. a, an exclusive club. And I saw, uh, somebody, I think it was, is that a Twitter or Reddit? Somebody, uh, showed a, a screen grab of, uh, when the Amazon fire first came out, uh, Bezos is on stage and the book that is on his, his fire is chapter one of Leviathan wakes. So first page of chapter one of Leviathan wakes. And I was like, what? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, there's a trailer trailer that got created tonight uh, to try to save the show. Uh, oh, so uh, that's out in uh, the whole interest net area. Oh, yeah, uh, I want to check it out. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. And uh, I know when this news uh, came down, I tweeted out, and I do mean this, that if I ever win the lottery, the big lottery, yeah, I'll buy the Expanse and I'll have another season or two. <laughs> or ten. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, this is, I guess, an appeal to the fans to, to keep up that faith and keep tweeting uh, because, you know, it's it's just nice to show that, that faithfulness to the crew who takes us on this ride and makes us feel a part of it, you know. And yeah. uh, I myself feel that way when I watch these episodes. I'm involved in every way I can can be. And I tweeted that whole day just my frustration with it. But now it's kind of time to get positive about it and just reach out and even just thank the writers and, and the actors who really make this, the show just an amazing journey for all of us. Yeah. So yeah. now uh, let's go ahead and close it out. Joel, where can we find you? I can be found on Twitter with my first and last name with the underscore in between the two words. So it's Joel underscore Welch W E L C H. And I run a little podcast called the sci-fi uh, sci-fi podcast. Yes. Sci-fi podcast drink <laughs> and sip and ian where can we find you you can find me on twitter at ian the beard um and then if you want to listen to uh what i love to do which is production and music and composition and stuff uh that's bearded audio on soundcloud awesome you can find me on instagram and twitter and also youtube at your buddy ernie thank you so much guys for checking out this episode of crash couch uh you can find us on twitter at crash couch uh and i believe uh chris does have an email for that so if you do have any questions suggestions anything like that you can reach out and i believe it's just the crash couch at gmail.com i'll make sure we, we tweet that out just to confirm that uh but we are part of, part of a network uh when nerds attack i happen to be the uh podcast network director so follow us on our twitter at nerds attack pods you can catch joel's show you can catch my other shows when nerds attack the retro convo even uh when nerds attack reviews and yeah give us a listen guys give us a rating uh, a review and make sure it's positive or at least <laughs> constructive and uh, we'll help grow the show but thank you so much for checking out the crash couch we're going to figure out what we're going to do after the season ends and uh, we'll keep you guys updated but other than that thank you so much and we'll catch you guys next time